Housing is a fundamental human need. Constructing that housing is often a complex undertaking that requires understanding, patience, skill, and foresight. Developing affordable housing can be challenging for sure, but the reward can truly change people's lives. And for that, it's totally worth it. Let us explore that journey with the people doing that work. This is the Housing Development Practitioner's View podcast. Let's continue the conversation with Scott Bertrand, Executive Director of the Enfield Housing Authority in Enfield, Connecticut, and Neil Griffin, the Executive Director of the Glastonbury Housing Authority in Glastonbury, Connecticut. The last segment of today I wanted is a bit of, um, we're going to touch on a couple just random topics. Not that they're not, they're not random, they're related, but I wanted to ask you on a couple things here. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts, security related, but, but not so much physical, digital. The big, the big cybersecurity hmm. uh, uh, word that's around there across industries, across personal lives, and whatnot. Um, what type of conversations are you having with your staff, with your advisors, with your commissioners about cyber uh, now and into the future? Ongoing. Ongoing. All the time. Yep. And I'll make a plug for the HDVN product there <laughs> for the cybersecurity training uh, that you have uh, where, where I've mandated that my staff take that at, uh, uh, when they're hired and that we take it twice a year. We Got use it. those modules. So keep adding those into your programming because uh, it does get utilized. Got it. So educa education. Education. So that they know what they're doing. Uh, yeah. To make sure that everybody knows about it. And then working, in our case, I use an IT vendor, but having ongoing constant conversations with the IT vendor that's to make sure that they're, they're putting in place the various uh, you know protections and things that need to be there yeah uh, but as pretty much most people know it's human behavior is the biggest vulnerability that's true. Yeah. yeah we definitely have a lot of ongoing training about you know phishing and spearing attempts and um, we even worked with uh, our vendor to send out some test emails just to see mm -hmm. how how things would go and getting our staff to be aware of that and it's they're definitely much more vigilant now almost to the point where mm -hmm. like uh, there's people calling us saying, hey, you didn't pay that invoice. And we're like, well, it looked like, you know, probably looked pretty bogus. We probably deleted it. Or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, our, our medical insurance enrollment this year had a uh, new online aspect to it using a new software. And, okay. and one of my staff is like, oh, I thought that was garbage. So I deleted it. And then I deleted it from my deleted file. <laughs> so we, we had <laughs> <it>. nothing. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> so we had to resend that to him so he could do his enrollment. So there, but, you know, I think every executive director probably has that, uh, list of articles they're looking to read or that those things if they're still printing them out they're sitting <laughs> off in folders and that's probably one of my larger reading piles is the whole cybersecurity aspect and trying to even because i'm not an it professional i'm trying to understand like how can you improve or protect exactly. um, you've got a lot of pii out there mm -hmm. that's sitting on your your server or wherever it is um, what protections do you need to have? What type of backups do you need to have so that if there was an incident, you could restore mm -hmm. yourself? Um, you know, I know we're right now we're using a lot of remote offsite backups and at different points so that if we were to get hijacked or something, we could restore a backup and maybe only lose a day's worth of information. But as I understand, you know, they get more savvy and there's it's always know, evolving. It's, it's not my. I'm not in there, I'm not staring at it every day, so we're looking at to our IT professionals to help us keep informed, and then what type of insurance do you need to cover that? What's your exposure and your risks? And that's even something that we're still trying to understand a little better. For sure. Are you, is it like 70% spent on the agency, your staff, and, and protecting that, and then 30% on maybe 
residents doing kind of stuff like that, or is it a different ratio? Are you not that? Uh, are you putting out you know information to residents on this, let making them aware because it could be as impactful to their personal lives as anything? Uh, is there any consideration to kind of you know? I'm not. I'm not really putting a lot of information out to the residents. Okay. That's more of a uh, you know the time issue and, and capacity. But sure. but you you touch on something interesting with the residents, and one problem that's kind of crept up, especially with the pandemic, where people want to do things remotely. We have to do recertification process with the residents of their income, and they, especially the younger ones, will want to send information. So all of a sudden, my staff is getting random. Uh, emails from Gmail accounts, for example, <laughs> um, that have attachments that they don't Good. know what it is. Really? And uh, they may not, staff may not open it right away and, and, and then they have to contact the residents. So it's almost making more work to say, no, did you send this to me? Is it legitimate? Uh, becomes a question. Yeah, and, of course. Uh, or not accepting it at all because you want to make sure the file that they're sending isn't corrupted. And so we've almost in some cases taken a little bit of a step back because of it and saying, yeah, we need that directly from you or not from a third party. Uh, so that, that's created an interesting situation. Yeah. yeah. I think we've been focused primarily on our staff so far, but I think as we evolve our technology and residents communicating to us through, you know, online or through those, that's where we'll probably have to, or if we're getting to the point where hopefully this broadband access, you know, maybe mm -hmm. helps residents get better access to the internet and we can start communicating through them, yeah. to them through that. At that point, if we're reaching out to people through emails or different things, then we're probably gonna have to think about educating our residents so they recognize a legitimate email from us versus <laughs> right, perhaps right. A, somebody trying to impersonate us. And that's, that's right. if we're going to ask them to participate that level, then we'll probably have to look at that as part of that plan. Good notes, yeah, good points. Uh, cyber, I think, is here to stay for sure. We're all kind of learning every day on that. So thank you for sharing some insights. Um, shifting gears to something we did touch on early on, I just want to dive a little deeper into uh, the staffing uh, fallout right now. I, I guess the uh, post-pandemic shakeup uh, that everyone's being impacted and affected by. So how are you guys either planning to deal with it, currently dealing with it, or just kind of thinking through uh, that, you know, retaining staff, bringing on new staff, uh, is there, share some thoughts on, on that topic. Yeah, well. You spent half the car right here on that, didn't <laughs> we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we weren't recording in the car, sorry. The, so, attracting new staff, I mean, we've, we've been looking to some of these uh, local programs that are training people into the asset management, property management realm to try to bring in interns. Okay. Uh, and meet with them and even just participate in that program just if nothing else as almost like a marketing tool to get our name out there so we can attract the talent that perhaps is interested in the industry um, i don't think as a whole as an industry we're doing a great job of attracting mm. new talent into it we've heard that before um, yeah. i'm not sure how we change that you know or do we do we need to outreach to the universities your alma mater and say hey i'd like to come interview people to be yeah. interested in working at a housing authority. Um, I, I, that may be it, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, you see a lot of corporate people reach out and do a lot of things with uh, universities, colleges, community colleges. Um, how do we get our name uh, into that group that are coming out and looking for their career and to convince them that maybe this is a career path for mm -hmm. them? Retention, we do everything we can to, you know, provide a competitive salary and, and compensation mm -hmm. benefit package, you know, and it's 
our board is very aware of that, fortunately. So as we're evaluating that each year, we're very aware of any changes. Um, there's always pressures, right, from the outside to reduce your costs and reduce your benefit packages. Um, and I think you have to be very careful about how you go about that, you know, and balance mm -hmm. managing your costs, but you need to retain your quality staff. Of course. Um, you know, and staff turnover can really slow your organization down if you're having to bring new people up Definitely. to speed. So on the retention side, you know, it's making sure that our staff are good with our current pay ranges and that, you know, that we compare ourselves to peers or even other opportunities, not necessarily in the housing authority realm, that but that they could jump out to and have it take their similar skill set to and make sure we're competitive in those yeah. ranges, or as, at least as close to competitive as we can get, um, because there's some soft benefits that come with working in a municipality or a housing authority that maybe the public sector doesn't have, depending on your retirement plans, vacation and holiday packages, and you have Good to point. try to market that mm -hmm. to people and make them see the quality of life benefits potentially that you're providing. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a headwind that's going to be here for a while. And uh, I try to focus on developing people within as, as much as possible and, and even moving people, you know, over, not only up, but over when possible, mm -hmm. uh, just so it gives them some, some cross-training and an opportunity to do something different. And the other thing I've had to do more recently is shift uh, a little bit away from looking for direct experience, but looking for skill sets. You know, people okay. have transferable skills. Um, all of us, you know, uh, whatever position you're in, always you know came in new and didn't know much about what you were doing, but sure. were able to learn it. So if I can identify people or candidates who have uh, skills or, or in, in training or education, maybe from somewhere a little bit different, but they've already proven in that area, you know, we can we can teach them a, a, a about housing. Mm -hmm. Might be a little bit more onboarding time with that. Uh, and it also you need to be able to reassure the candidate or their, the new employee that yes, you know, don't get overwhelmed by that. You know, <laughs> I, I had that conversation as recent as this morning with somebody new and saying that you know I, I once was new too. Yeah. But looking at your your history and this is why I hired you because you have these various skills and this, uh, a broad skill set, and uh, so that tells me that you know that you can learn the nuts and bolts of what we do here. That's interesting. So you're, you're, you're willing to take somebody on that might be uh, a little bit outside of, I guess, the normal box for the industry mm -hmm. because they possess certain type of skills that you think could translate over uh, and then be taught the, the, the industry. Yes, and, yeah. and in, in some cases, we touched upon this a minute ago, but coming out of the private sector, then showing them the benefits of, of public employment. Yep. Good note, good note. Um, want to end on kind of an out there kind of uh, type of question, if you will. Um, you know, I want you to think back to when you started in the industry. So, you know, you said you came from the private sector, but what would you tell that version of you about the industry that you didn't know? What would I, um, what would I tell that version? You know, we've, had, we've heard answers from like, you know, th there's far more uh, uh, meetings that I would, you know, would have um, to take, or there's more interaction with uh, elected officials than I was expecting, or um, you know, regulations change so much. Yeah, it's definitely a far more complicated industry than when I stepped in having any okay. idea because Let's each that. program 
has its own set of rules that it operates under. And if you're you're managing a tax credit program, a public housing program, a Section 8 program, uh, state, in Connecticut we have state housing programs, they all have different eligibility requirements. Yeah. They all have different rent yeah. calculations. They have some uh, tenant rights differences. Mm -hmm. And to understand all those nuances uh, is somewhat detailed and you know can get difficult to not cross them up a little bit mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there's a lot more to all of that and and i think for when i stepped in i just assumed it was all the same you know <laughs> why, why would anything be operated differently and perhaps i still ask that question is why can't we get these all to operate the same but um uh, we, we have what we have so we have to work with that but that's and that's the hardest thing to explain I think for us with people coming in that are looking for affordable housing is understanding that like um, there's different flavors of it in the sense of how mm -hmm. what how your rent's going to be calculated so what may be more affordable to you in one program versus another understanding what they're eligible for so um, yeah it's for me stepping in it was I you know learning that all those details and understanding that there was a lot more below the surface than I ever thought there was. You know, we were Got it. literally seeing the tip of the iceberg when I walked in and, yeah. and not the whole rest of it. And when new things come on, it's not like old things necessarily fall off. So it's, it's just more and more, you kind of have to just build up on that. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, the regulatory changes that are constantly evolving or shifting the way you're supposed to do things, you know. Um, the first word that came to mind when, when you said that was is bureaucratic. In other words, ah. I, I don't think I was prepared for the bureaucracy that we have to deal with, and, and now probably as the director that I'm somewhat responsible for creating. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so that that was a, a, a challenge. I, I wasn't prepared for um, you know, coming from the private sector. We could just do certain things and and having staff say, well, you can't do that or you have to do this. And, uh, and I was like, well, well, why? You know, when I worked for the another company where you were working for the owners and it was their investment and, you know, their, their uh, yeah, their investment. <laughs> um, they <laughs> could run it the way they wanted to as long as they weren't running afoul of, you know, fair housing laws or things. But uh, so, so that, that was a challenge. So what I tell myself, be patient. Okay. And uh, also, uh, I consider it a business of exceptions, meaning that no no day usually ends up at, at, at the end of the day what I thought it would be at the beginning of the day. So uh, I, I tell people that it's a business of exceptions and be prepared for that. And so that's what I would tell myself. Don't, don't go in on first thing in the morning expecting that it's going to be flow a certain way, end a certain way, and you're gonna accomplish certain things because there's gonna be an exception, something's gonna come up and you're gonna to have to adapt to it. But that's what really makes it exciting. There you go. That's what, that's what keeps the energy going. There it's you go. Kinda, you know, it's to, for me, I wouldn't function well in a, a position that was constantly repetitive. There are plenty of folks that, that like the repetitive nature and then- Yes, there's there are, there's nothing wrong with that. Plenty of folks that don't, there's so. No, there's nothing wrong with that, but in, if, yeah. as a, a senior manager and executive director, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, it doesn't no, sound like it's possible for you guys. There's just definitely, you know, it's long hours, a lot of different <laughs> things to do, which is the the exciting part is the different things that you get to do. You know, you're not just well, that's stuck true. in the aspect of one thing. So, um, you know, you could be talking to your legislators to help inform their passage of certain laws or bills mm -hmm. that are up for consideration. Uh, make them aware of the impacts on, you know, <laughs> on our industry with what they're trying to move forward with. 
Um, there's talking and working with your local community and you know trying to maintain a, a positive relationship there, which is probably, I think, one of the most essential pieces oh, of our business line is, absolutely. is having important. that positive relationship with the town. And we're fortunate that we have a great one with Same. ours uh, because I think if you had to you know, fight City Hall, as the phrase is, and continue to do your thing, I, that would be really difficult to be successful um, uh, because you're really are collaborating in the same thing mm -hmm. to build something for the community and, and be an asset and a resource to the community. And if you're not having that cohesiveness, then it doesn't work. Yeah, it's I, th I think it's a, you know, a real problem if that's not working out. Good note. Any last thoughts on anything we've talked about? Do you want to double yeah, back? Well, I think, you know, we're an exciting time with, you know, HUD offering all these opportunities to reposition your your portfolios. Uh, and perhaps get a more steady rental stream, um, whether you're going move to work or you're using a RAD, RAD Section 18 blend or a small PHA conversion. I think there's some great opportunities to try to evaluate, is that beneficial to your community and your portfolio to, to seize on one of these opportunities to shift your model a little bit? It's a very exciting business. It's uh, been, it is a business. We touched on asset management when we started. and. And uh, I view it as running a business that, that I've been entrusted with, with just that, these assets. You know, it's, uh, money flows in, money flows out, and you have to preserve and increase or, or the asset. And uh, so it's been very exciting. Yeah. Uh, very exciting and being a little bit further along in my career when I look back at it that way and, and saying that that's what I've been doing for at least the last 20, 21 years at my authority. That sounds great. I'll end on this. So I'm sensing optimism, cautious optimism for the future of affordable yeah. housing from yeah, you guys. I always try to be optimistic, <laughs> no matter how much <laughs> you feel beaten back. But yeah, I think there, it is an exciting opportunity. And if you can leverage these different resources and the tax credit program and True. talk about making sausage and a mess of layering all these subsidies and the requirements. But uh, if you can add units, preserve the units, and still provide that benefit to the residents where they're getting that affordable rent, whether it be truly at a 30% sliding scale or you know, banded into these income ranges and, and they have some uh, safety that they know that their rent's gonna be affordable to them while they work an entry level job or start to move their way up. I think that's to be able to provide that product. This is the time that's mm -hmm. probably most exciting that, that, that we've had the most tools in the toolbox to work with. Excellent point. And clearly the need is there uh, yep. with, with the demand and the housing costs uh, in increasing is, is brought a lot of attention to it. So hopefully that'll help uh, keep, keep perpetuating you know, the, the, the mission. Thanks for listening to today's show and thank you to our guests. If you like what you've heard, please hit the like button. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episodes right to your device.